Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hosted. Really excited for our guest today. We have Ryan Hanley on the show, and I just found out that he's been podcasting for 12 years, 1,500 interviews. Pretty incredible. Ryan is the founder and president of Rogue Risk. He is also the host of Ryan Hanley Show. Ryan, welcome to Hosted. Uh, it's uh, such a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's uh, been something I've done for a very long time, but all my family and friends think that I'm a nut job for doing it. So <laughs> I don't actually get to talk about like the, I don't know, I don't want to say the business of podcasting, but yeah, the business of podcasting very often because, you know, most of the, we'll call them normies around here who don't have podcasts. They don't understand what you're talking about when you, you know, talk about what, you know, what it takes. They just think you like, you know, I just talk to somebody and you throw it online or whatever. And they don't realize how much thought and and effort and preparation and all the stuff that goes into doing a good job. Um, you know, no one really understands unless they understand. So this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I'm excited. So yeah, so your, your family and friends have been questioning you for 12 years. My, they thought I'm I'm crazy for a lot longer than that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this particular topic, this is one of the areas where like, you know, if I bring up something about, I, I've just stopped talking about it to them. But like, you know, for a while I would like bring something up and they would just basically like fall, you know, they would pretend to like fall asleep or they'd start, you know, do the yawn thing or whatever. Cause they just didn't care. And, um, you know, but it, it has been probably the, the, I've been lucky in some of the decisions that I've made in my career. One of the best decisions I ever made was starting my, the first podcast. Um, you know, I, you you had mentioned some of the some of the stats there. Um, I've had three iterations of my podcast. Um, so if you go and listen to the current one that's on iTunes, um, that goes back 180 episodes. But um, there's actually two other iterations of this, basically the same podcast that's been under different names um, uh, that I've done. Uh, and mostly that's because different employers have forced me uh, to, you know, I had done a podcast called Content Warfare. Um, and I, I was big into when content marketing first kind of became a thing back in 2011, 2012. I grew my then business, which was also an insurance agency, almost solely on content marketing. And I mm. became such a believer in this concept of telling your story and all this kind of stuff that I, people started asking me, how are you getting all this business? Because, you know, back in, I don't know what the, the demographics of the audience are here, but, but there, you know, there was a time when people thought the internet like wasn't, was like a joke, you know? So like yeah. in the insurance industry in particular, which is the industry that I'm part of, if you were using the internet to get business in 2011, people thought you were like a, a lying or like you were a clown. So yeah. Um, so I started talking about what I was doing and then people would have questions. So I said, I should start, the, you know, the only format at that time, because YouTube was like incredibly difficult to, to manage in 2011. So I thought, man, this audio format is really interesting and I can I can kind of do it from anywhere and, and all the things that make podcasting really interesting. Um, I should start talking about it. And unfortunately, I grew that podcast, grew very, very large. Um, and You're, but, you were number eight, right? Number yeah, eight. So there, I have this screenshot where I was the eighth ranked podcast in all business categories. I was doing 47,000 downloads a month and, I, and Gary Vaynerchuk was number 11. So Gary Vaynerchuk's show was number 11. Mine was eight. I have this screenshot and I'm like, I know this isn't going to always be the case, but it's pretty cool for this one moment in time that this, is, this was the case. And um, 
you know, it's funny. And then, and that was so rewarding, uh, had amazing guests. It was, it was really awesome. And when you hit a certain like amount of downloads, the, your ability to get, uh, a, a wide range of guests really opens up. Right. So, uh, I'm not, I don't really look at my numbers today. I don't really care, uh, to a certain extent, that's not, uh, the perp I have other purposes for why I podcast today, but at that time, the numbers were important because they were a gateway to like different levels of guests. Uh, uh sure. Okay. But I had an employer, uh, I, I sold or kind of sold out of the business that I was in and um, uh, became the chief marketing officer of this large national insurance enterprise. And they forced me to shut that podcast down. And um, at the time I was like, oh, you know, no big deal. You know, I've been doing it for, almost, you know, at that point, probably five years. Um, you know, maybe it's time for a change. And uh, I, 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 within a few months, I immediately regretted that decision. So I spun yeah. up a podcast inside that organization. I did that for a couple of years. I got fired by them. And then I started the one I have today. So that's kind of the three shows. Wow. So they made you shut down your, your OG, your original podcast. And then you had to relaunch a different podcast yeah, kind of that they, under that they their own. brand. Yes. That they owned. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's and so disappointing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Trust me. If I knew where my career was going to go, I would have never done that. I wouldn't have taken the job in exchange. Like I just, at that time too, this is like 2015, 2016, I'm trying to think of them, trying to do all the math, the numbers, you know, just in that area, podcasting wasn't still at, at that time, what it is today. There right. were only like 800,000 total podcasts. Now there's what, 800 million podcasts. Oh yeah. So there's like, so many. Yeah. So like at that time, there still was like a very niche thing to do. There wasn't, there wasn't a large group of people doing it. It was still kind of difficult to do. You know what I mean? You had to have a special tool to add metadata and then you had to export it out of that and put it into something else. And it was like all these steps to do. And, um, you know, and I had all that figured out. It wasn't a problem, but like it was a barrier to entry and there was a cost associated, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I, I, I didn't realize what it would become if I knew what it would have become and how valuable close to 50,000 downloads a month actually was. I had no cons again, I had no concept at that time, how valuable what I had was, um, you know, it was probably worth twice as much as the salary I was getting at that time, you know, and I just thought that job was a good opportunity. And I was like, oh, I could use a change, you know, whatever I can, you know, I've been doing this for so long. Maybe it's good. You know what? I'm just telling myself all these narratives. And like I said, within a month or two, I immediately regretted what I had done. There wasn't really a way to spin it back up. They would not let me spin it back up unless they owned it. They wouldn't buy it. They were fairly draconian. Um, and, uh, you know, I was kind of pot committed to that job at that point. Long story short, that was a, a major you know, uh, we'll just call it a, a, a really solid lesson learned in my life. Um, yeah, I guess. Absolutely. And you don't really realize the impact until you're years beyond that, right? Yeah. And you're like looking back and thinking of all the things you could have done differently. And that's just, that's life. I, yeah. You know, just thinking back, Ryan, to when you started the podcast, your very first original podcast, and even just the industry that you were in, yep. you were 
probably an outlier, I would imagine. I mean, I was the first person in the insurance industry to have a podcast. Yeah. And really just everything you were doing around content generation. I mean, that was, I I was actually listening to an interview. um, I can't remember which one it was, but you were talking about it with the host, you know, just like how people, again, thought you were insane for- for the content that you were pushing out there, not really realizing what that could do for your business. Um, but you kept going and, and just, could you just talk a little bit about the success that you saw from doing things differently than what your peers were doing and probably mentors or people in the industry who'd been in the industry forever? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if I'm just wired differently. I mean, I do have ADHD, so maybe that's what it is. Who the hell knows? I, the idea of doing things the way other people do them, I just simply cannot abide that. I just don't like in me, whatever it is, even if it's success, even if it's the best way to do it, I just can't do it that like, I'm just like, if I know the way I look at, okay. So the way that I look at all things in life and particularly business or anything that is business oriented is that if I, if you're following best practices, I know how to beat you. So you go ahead and you follow best practices. You do it the way the eight-step checklist does or the best reports or, you know, 89% of podcasters do it this way or 64% of insurance agents, you know, do it this way. If I know you're following best practices, I know how to beat you. That's the way I look at it. So then what are the things – now, there are certain aspects of things that are just the way you have to do them, but – Outside of what is he, and that that number of things is actually fairly small. What I found in my life is that having to do things a certain way to get by in business, that a number of things is actually much smaller than people want you to tell you want to tell you how it is. When someone tells you, "Here's seven best practices," you may do it exactly this way, you're going to be successful. They're selling you something that yeah. is not the truth. And if I know you're following that model, now I know how to beat you. So what I try to do is come at a, any, anything that I'm, I look at all things that we do, whether it's a large thing, like my current company that I found and I'm running or, or, or initiative inside that company, I look at them as experiments or projects. Everything's an experiment or a project. And I come into that experiment or project with a vector, an idea of where I think we need to go, but no ideological belief on how we get there. Right. I love content marketing. I think that telling your story, I call it digitizing the soul of your business is the single best way to build a foundation of inbound opportunities regardless of what you're doing. I just, I believe that at my core. However, even despite my just intrinsic belief in that concept, I'm fully capable of punting that and going after, hey, we need to go get influencers or we need to do a paid ad strategy or we need to do cold email campaigns, all things that I know nothing about. I don't care what the answer is. I care that we get to the solution. So that what that has allowed me to do is not operate from a position of, you know, we do it this way, or, you know, people who look like this do it this way. I, I just simply do not care. I, I have no, I have no attachment to how we get to the solution, obviously within the realm of morality. Um, sure. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, I don't, you know, lie, cheat, steal, that kind of stuff. I don't want to go to jail. I don't like treating people poorly. So, so I don't do any outside of the, you know, keeping within the context of morality. I do not care how we get to a solution. And what that has allowed me to do is see around corners that other people can't 
and and not because I have some superpower. I just we just stumble into solutions. We're I, I tell the team all the time, don't look to me for solutions. I'm a dummy. I'm gonna find out the answer, but it's gonna be the hard way. And that's how we're gonna get there. We're gonna try every every possible path. And the branches that don't lead us to where we want to go, we're just gonna backtrack and and try other branches. And that is allowed, that's that's how I've basically run my whole career. Um, it has worked out incredibly well in general. However, um, you know, it's created thing, you know, I was fired from three jobs in a row. Uh, I've had a lot of misfires on different things, um, but it's also led to a lot of successes as well. Yeah, that's interesting, Ryan. I've never really heard anyone lay it out quite like that. I, I love it. I mean, just talking about how, because there are so many, it's like, you've got to do it this way to be successful. Yep. Here are the models. Here's what you're striving for. You want to be this person. You want to be this company. Here's the path. And you're like, no, like I see the end goal here, but I'm not going to take that path. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I think Jack Welch is, and his philosophy is the biggest crock of shit that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, his whole, you know, chop the top bottom 10%, um, micromanage, uh, you know, all the, all this kind of stuff that he put into place to depersonalize general electric, right? For a brief period of time, it created escalated results. And General Electric has never been the same company since in a bad way because it absolutely destroyed the culture of that business and destroyed their innovation. It destroyed their creativity. They haven't come out with a new new product that is that is taken over the market since the 80s, right? Yeah. Like basically he created this machine that, yes, was efficient in creating generic widgets, but what General Electric was known for, this bastion of innovation, creativity, and, and, and industrial advancement in the United States was absolutely destroyed. So, so yes, you can follow the Jack Welch, fire the bottom 10%, you know, be a hard worker, systemize everything kind of company, except that worked for him for a brief period of time, and then it absolutely wrecked that company. And I can't imagine that that process would work for you. So people follow, they, they find these philosophies and say, that was a timestamp. There was a brief period of time where, where people were willing to follow that methodology. Now, frankly, if you've worked with a Zennial or a millennial and you try to put Jack Welch on them, they would throw a freaking fit and start protesting. So you couldn't even do that today. But like that, that and I'm just taking one microcosm example, yeah. like that worked for a brief period of time. You, you to take that and then try to apply it today in the same exact way, you're going to fall flat on your face. Now, maybe there's aspects you can pick from that. Maybe there's aspects you can pick from Apple culture in the 80s. Maybe there's aspects of Google culture in the, you know, in the, in the early knots that you can pick and piece all those things together that work for you. And to me, this kind of like Bruce Lee, be like water philosophy is a way more functional and productive way to get where you're going than I'm going to be, you know, we're going to be a Six Sigma company and that's who we are. And regardless of how much trouble that causes us or where it takes us, that's who we are. I, I just, um, to me, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's interesting, Ryan, because I do feel like there's this, it, I felt like for a period of time, it was all these different, different methodologies that were just being like jammed down our throat. And now we're kind of like, wait a second. And like you said, like if you're able to kind of look at it historically, like for maybe a, a blip in time that worked, but yeah. looking at it over 
a significant amount of time. And it's like that, that failed and we're following a philosophy that failed, but yeah, just carving out your, like what works for you and taking bits and pieces, but also just exploring different, different routes that have never been taken before. And you may fall on your face and that's kind of part of the deal. Right. But I'd rather fall on my face doing something different than kind of just following the masses and, and falling on my face. Yeah. We have a hiring philosophy um, here that regardless of your age, so this is age independent, obviously. Um, I want people that walk with a limp. That's, that's what I tell my, that's what I tell my team, my hiring team is it, I want people who walk with a limp and they'll be like, you know, first they were like, well, what does that, I'm sorry. What does that mean? Sorry. My East it's Coast okay. You're good. You're bit. good. You can uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, what does that mean? And I said, uh, I said, I want people who've been in the battle. Like, I, I don't want some McKinsey consultant who's going to tell me how to run my insurance agency, yet they've never stepped in an independent insurance agency in their life, right? And I'm, I am don't mean to take a swipe at McKinsey, but I was at this fairly large insurance event, and this this McKinsey consultant is, mah, 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 mah. and I'm listening to it, I'm going, this person has never been, like, the thing, I can tell from the things that you are saying, do you have ever, have you ever been, and I literally said, I go, I mean, no disrespect in this question, but have you ever been in an insurance operation before? And they're like, well, I've been in Marsh, you know, with this, and Marsh is one of the uh, top three yeah. largest insurance agencies in the country. Um, and I was like, that doesn't count. That that doesn't count. One, they don't operate like a regular insurance business. And two, there's about 20 companies that operate that way. And then there's everybody else. So like, what are you saying? Like you have no experience, right? You haven't, you haven't been battle tested. You haven't made a hundred cold calls in a day and had a hundred people hang up in your face and felt what that's like, right? And felt, felt the negative emotion and the, and the anxiety and the, and the, the, the just all the, 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 you feel terrible. You feel you feel terrible. And then the people who feel good after that, you realize are psychopaths and, 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 you know, you, and you know, to just stay away from them after dark. And it's like that to me, like if you're not walking with a limp in your, in your, in your area, whatever it is you do in, in your battle test, right? If you don't have scars or whatever, then I just don't care what you have to say. It doesn't mean that what you say doesn't have value, but I personally have found that those people tend to talk in generalities and best practices. And anyone that I know, anyone who I see listening to them, I want to target them because I know how to beat them. And I don't want anyone to know how to beat me. That's that's my thing. I, I want to be able to maneuver and adjust and and take hits and keep going. Um, because at the end of the day, time and market is what wins. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ryan, even just like circling back to to the podcast and just your journey with that. You know, you mentioned that in the beginning, you were able to attract guests of higher caliber just based on your listenership, your ranking, and the fact that the, the podcast world wasn't inundated yet. Yeah. So what was that experience like? I mean, did you have folks that you were like, like I've had moments where, you know, I of course have like my like business crashes that I'm like, yeah. oh, would you please come on my podcast? Did you have some of those where you're like, yes, score Yeah, that. they were, a lot of them were in the marketing industry um, and they were specific to say content and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I tell you, my first podcast ever, I literally just held my, like I, it wasn't even an iPhone. I don't even know what the hell it was. I think it was a Google, Google phone. It wasn't an iPhone. It was a piece of crap. And I literally just, it, but it had like a voice recording feature on it. 
and I literally just held it up to my mouth. I know people can't see me, but I just held the phone up to my mouth and recorded the first episode like that. And that's how the first episode was just me talking into my phone. I'll be honest, I can't even remember what I was talking. I think it was really an entire episode about launching the podcast, which is like the worst (laughs) thing ever. And then the second episode was two days later, I was driving and this idea hit me. So while I'm driving, I'm holding the phone to my mouth, just talking and then figuring out how to get it from my phone where you still had to connect your phone to the computer to get stuff out of your phone. Get the file out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like now you have like uh airdrop, you're just like, whoop. but, uh, um, you know, so that's the first episodes were, were, were tough, but, um, but it was new. And, uh, you know, I think I had something to say, even though the quality today would, would not be, it would, would not be publishable. Uh, I'm not really a big quality snob, but, um, you know, there is a certain bar and these yeah, were below absolutely. that bar. Yeah. Um, they were, but you, you know, could get away with that. It was like the whole that time I'm talking and it's like (laughs) in the background, I'm like trying to scream over the top of the car sounds. Um, But, uh, but then, you know, I did a few episodes that were solo and then um, actually I had a a buddy of mine, his name is Marcus Sheridan. He's been incredibly good to me. He's a, um, he's a a, a best-selling author of the book they ask you answer, um, which is an incredible book for anyone in, in the, in the marketing space. Uh, really in the in the small to mid-sized business space. It's a it's a it's a wonderful book. Um, but he he was kind enough to come on the show and was kind of my first like name name guest. And then really all I started doing was like leveraging him. I was like, hey, I got Marcus. Do you want to come on? And again, because the the ecosystem was so small at that point, it was much, much easier to get a hold of people. It was also back when Twitter was still, I mean, I guess Twitter is better today, or I guess it depends on what your viewpoint. I think Twitter is better today, but um, but back then Twitter was much more like it is today. And you could actually get a hold of people. Like if you DM'd someone, they would respond to you. So I used Twitter really was my primary way of getting guests. I would just DM people and say, Hey, I have a podcast. I had this person and this person. Um, you know, sometimes somebody would recommend somebody that would be great. And I just kind of grew it that way. And then eventually I stopped having to say that I was kind of, people would see my show in the, the Apple rankings yeah. and they would actually start reaching out to me. So I would get people reaching out to me, which makes it easier. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed. And I did two episodes a week for, like I said, like almost five years. That's incredible. And did you vet folks? Like, were no. you pretty open? You're just like, you want to talk, let's talk, let's do this. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about this. So yes, I don't like doing pre-shows. Yeah. Um, I think uh, to me, the pre-show shows. Now, look, if I'm running a nationally publicated, you know, there's millions of dollars behind it in production. Do I want to make sure the person's not a crazy person? Yes. Okay. But I think your team or whoever should be vetting that person listening to other podcasts versus a pre-show. Because to me, when someone does a pre-show, it shows a lack of confidence in their, to me, it shows a lack of confidence in their ability to get the most out of that guest. So, yeah. so as a host, I believe my responsibility and, and seemingly uh, it seems like you, you do as well in, in the way you're handling this is your, your goal is, is, is really one to, to give that guest every opportunity to add max value to your audience you that guest is not your responsibility in my opinion and i think this is different from a lot of hosts my goal is is not to make you look good as a guest 
you need to make yourself look good. If you look bad, that's on you. You need to get your shit together. My goal is to get the most value out of you for my audience is who I have a responsibility to. I have a responsibility as a podcast host to my audience. Now, there are some podcast hosts that like to play this game where they'll be like, I don't care about my audience. They'll listen if they like it. Nonsense. Those people actually care more about their audiences. That's all bullshit in my opinion. But so I, what I try to do is I don't come in with an agenda. I, I do a little bit of research. I do light research, but because I, but I don't want to guide the guest. I want to extract out of the guest the thing that they're most interested in in that moment. So what happens sometimes is someone will say, I really want to talk about my new book, which is pretty common, right? Yep. Um, and that's great. And then they'll come in and they'll talk for 45 minutes about their sick dog. Yeah. And, and, and because, and, and what I'll try to do is, okay, this is what's on that person's brain. So let's talk about the emotional, you know, the emotional ramifications of having sick, you know, a sick pet or whatever in the impact on your business and, and how you're dealing with it. And, you know, how do you deal with stress? And we may not even get to the book. Because in that moment, that when they logged into that 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 window, the sick dog and the emotions, stress, anxiety associated, and I'm just using this as an example, that is the thing that is most burning on their brain. That's the thing they're going to give me the vo- most value out of. And if I try to shuffle that aside to and then wedge them into, say, the topic of the book, because I, I've already made this preconceived decision that that's the direction we're going in. I'm going to get a shitty podcast or certainly yeah. a less valuable podcast than I would have gotten if I just helped them go in the place that they want to go to. And um, that's kind of my methodology uh, for, for podcasting. And what that, to, to answer, to get back to your question, some, you can, the unfortunate part about that is it exposes posers. So a person who does not own their shit who does not own their area of expertise or the area of expertise that they're trying to present themselves as a, as a, a master of um, when they come on and, and I give them, let, let's see where you want to go. And they don't know where to go or they don't have anything to say, or they're just expecting to regurgitate talking points to the, to some questions they think I'm most likely going to have about their book. Those episodes tend to be terrible. And then I just start talking. Which yeah. is obviously not a problem for me. <laughs> so you just take over. So you don't you don't not publish them. You kind of pick up you pick up the slack yeah. for where and they're. The, yeah, yeah. In the fifteen hundred ish episodes or uh, uh, interviews that I've done because uh, I think I've done more episodes, but fifteen hundred. I've only not published one. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, and that that poor woman. She I don't know what was going on with her. Uh, it would, it just, I could not get her to even produce a coherent sentence. Um, and it was so bad that I just, I had to, I called her and I just said, I'm sorry, but if I publish this, this is not going to be good for you. For and anybody. Not, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. I just, I, there was nothing there was, and I, I think she was nervous. Um, I think that I do think that she was quote unquote posing a little bit. She was very nervous. I could tell that. And just, it just, it just did not come together. We never, 
you know, there wasn't like even that little bit of maybe awkwardness at the beginning. And then we got, yeah. we never got into a groove and, um, I just didn't want to, I couldn't do that to her. So I, I didn't publish that one. Yeah. I mean, out of 1500, one, well, that's I incredible. Think, They're I probably, most, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, no, no, go no, no. You're good. Yeah. I think no, most people you, have something to say. I think they do. Yeah, I think people I hold back. I think the problem with our society in general, I shouldn't say society. That sounds fucking, that sounds so blah. Um, <laughs> yuck. That's like the most cringe thing I've said in a while. Um, I think, I think, I think many people worry so much about um, what other people think that they don't allow the really cool stuff inside them to come out. Mm-hmm. And um, I I would love to say have been blessed with, but I don't know that it's always been a blessing. Do not have that filter. Um, So, so I try to make people comfortable through self-deprecation and through other things like that. Or, you know, I'll tell some stupid story about myself to try to loosen them up. And then what you find is all of a sudden someone will be like, well, I, I really like rock climbing. Well, shit. Let's talk about that. That's interesting. I didn't know you did that. Like, let's, let's go down that path. And then we'll get them going on this thing they're really interested in. And then we'll try to maybe, maybe like, how, how does that, what has that done for your business? And then now all of a sudden they're cooking. So maybe they came in, you know, a little, a little bland, a little boring, a little nervous, a little whatever. Maybe just had a bad day. Maybe they're freaking hungover. Who knows? And if you can get them on something that they're passionate about, their kids, a sport, uh, uh, a book, a philosophy, God, sometimes politics, but that's, you know, that can go a lot of different ways. Um, I don't mind going there, but it, you know, people get offended. Yeah. 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 Um, It's it's tricky. Yeah. It's it's fun because of how offended people get, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, cause it's, it's like, we're talking about politics. Like, really? We're like upset about, I just, the fact that people get so offended about politics is crazy to me, but, um, on both sides, that's not in a judgment. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. um, But once you can kind of get them into something they're passionate about, some little thing, fishing, you know, whatever it is, whatever their thing is. And then if you can take that energy and then kind of redirect it back to why they originally came you can, I, I found that to be a really good way to get somebody who's, who comes in really tight or really generic, or is going to just give me 30,000 feet. Um, uh, that's how I try to get them to give me more is I'll, I'll, I'll try to jab over. I don't like hand warmers. I don't like, um, I don't like asking the canned like end questions. I do think it's cool. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I think it's bad that other people do it. I'm saying that I personally don't like doing that mostly because I don't have the discipline to ask the same question every time. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's how I, that's the tactic I usually use when I get somebody who's, who seems like they're going to suck. I'll be like, what else do you do? You know what I mean? Do you, you know, do you, yeah. What are your passions? What are you yeah, passionate about? You know, it's good <laughs> to back them into that. No, I, I love that, Ryan. I think that's great. I mean, I do, I do storycraft sessions with our with our Kitcaster clients, and if I can tell that somebody just wants to talk, give me an elevator pitch on what what it is that they do, or what their company does, I just take that away from them. Yeah. I, I I don't even allow them to go there. Like I'm yeah. like, you know, what did your Sunday what your Sunday dinner table look like when you were growing up? Yeah, you know, something that's just like so off the wall that it just throws them completely and they just get out of that headspace. Cause I do think that 
it depends on how seasoned they are, right? To come onto a podcast or just having a general conversation. And I think that's what people forget in this space is like, this is just a conversation. Yeah. There's, we just want to talk, you know? And I always tell people like, you walk into, I heard this from somebody. So I'm, I'm ripping this from somebody from, a, I think even a past podcast episode. Let's say you walk into a class reunion and you see like the most popular person from your graduating class. And they look like they've, they still look like the same person. looks like they're uber successful. You look over in the other corner and there's somebody that you're like, I'm not sure that they, I was questioning whether they would make it out of high school, but it seems like they've pulled their life together. Like, I want to talk to that person, right? Yeah. I don't want to talk to this person. I know their story looks the same. Yep. I want to talk to this person over here. It looks like they have a really freaking interesting story. Yeah. I think that, I, I think I, I agree with you. I agree that, um, uh, you know, there's, there's this, you know, common thing in financial advising, right? Past performance does not equal future results or whatever it is. Like there's some common disclosure that's on every email that's ever come from Morgan Stanley or whoever does your financial advising. Everybody has the same sentence, you know, past performance. And I think that that that's basically life. Like we have these moments where, where you catch someone in that moment, right? Like that person who shows up at the class, the 10 year class reunion with the suit and the job looking amazing, Five years from now, that person could be in a gutter or could be having a hard time or they could have a divorce or they could have some some something could happen in their life that sets them down a path of discovery. And, you know, and and, and really, I'll be honest with you, that's what I've seen in my life. Like, uh, very, you know, unfortunately, uh, about, you know, a little 14, 15 months ago, I got divorced completely out of the blue. Shocked to me, blew up my whole world. Um, you know, didn't didn't see that coming. Uh, felt like I hit by a freight train. Uh, for about for about three or four months, it was the lowest period of my life. And if you had caught me then, um, I would not be able to give you what I'm giving you now. Um, yeah. But what it and and you know, and you do the whole thing. Why me? Why can't I? You know, what's what's wrong with me? Why doesn't this person like me? All the things, right? All the right. cliche. You go through all of them in the, the five stages of grief. You 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 just like someone died. If you've ever unfortunately had someone die in your in your family or your life that's close to you, you go through these five stages, and they're ab you absolutely go through all five. Divorce, especially when you didn't necessarily want it or see it coming, is happens exactly the same way. You go through the same stages. Well, um. You know, so you're asking yourself and you're begging and you're pleading and and you're, you're doing like this. And then I'll, you kind of get to the other side. And, you know, if you if you can find the silver lining and, and keep pushing through from positivity, um, uh, you, 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 I've gone on this path of self-discovery in which I figured, you know, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Right. So I thought that I I had been called uh, excitable. Uh, I make decisions too fast. I'm a troublemaker. I push people too hard. I talk too fast. You know, all these things have been used against me in business and and really even in my marriage for for my entire life. People have kind of put me in this box of you know this person who's very emotional and excitable and um and I just always thought I didn't know what to do with that right because in my mind I'm like a thoughtful you know I'm trying to be a good person you know I'm trying yeah, to be like yeah. trying to do the right thing and. And and there was this disconnect and friction in all these relationships that I, I just did not understand. And then, um, you know, it, when when everything happened with my divorce, I I, I said to myself, this isn't going to beat me. Like, I'm not going to be that dad who ends up in a 
it, you know, falling into the gutter and becoming an alcoholic and throwing 50 pounds on and woe is me. Like I'm going to, even though, you know, I was hurting, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to be a good role model for my, I have two, two young, two, I have a nine and seven year old. And I'm going to, I'm not going to let this beat me. I said that to myself. So I went on this self-discovery path and I started reading the Bible and I, you know, different, different things, you know, my, my things that I needed that my whatever soul was telling me I needed to do. And I, and I went to the doctor and said, I went, I started seeing a counselor. I saw her every, I see her every two weeks. I actually see her, see her tomorrow, I think. Um, and, and after like the third, third meeting, she goes, so how do you handle your ADHD? And I was like, what the fuck? Is that the first time somebody said something to you? No one had ever used those four letters and associated with me. I've just always been trouble, excitable, emotion, all the terms that associated with that. Yeah. But never, had never said to me directly, I think you have that thing. And, um, so, so I just, I kind of like had to, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, like, what do you mean? And she's like, uh, you like a hundred percent have, she's like, so she gave me like some test. I can't tell you even what it was. Uh, people have asked me, I don't know. I don't remember to be honest with you. I just took some tests on the computer and, uh, you know, like bing, 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 you know, win a prize, you know, you, here you go. Yeah. And so then she gave me all this reading to do and I did all this reading on it and, and started to under, I was like, oh shit, that's why that happened. Now I understand why I drove my ex-wife crazy because she's a normie and she could, to me or to her, she was getting this full fire hose all the time, constantly that she just couldn't handle, nor did she want. And I thought I was just being a communicative husband. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, so I thought I was like a communicator and I thought that was a good thing. And she was just like, oh my God, I'm being bludgeoned by you every day. Yeah. So, so what, and my, my point in all this is to say that, um, it has allowed me to, that, that path of self-discovery has allowed me a couple things. Um, it's allowed me to know how to interact with people in a more productive way. So when I, when I interact with someone, I now know a few cues that I can use to figure out, are they going to appreciate my way or should I dial it down a little bit? Right. So I can do that now. I've learned yeah. how to control it. Um, I've become a much better leader because I used to show up at a meeting and I'd have I mean, I don't know if you've dealt with people with ADHD, but you have 10,000 ideas in your brain at, at all times. Like yeah. it's hard for me. I, there's like 40 things I want to say to you at once. And I have one mouth to say them to you right now. And I'm <laughs> struggling not to do it. And it's, I hope you can tell. Um, so like I would show up at meetings. I just start barfing all these things that we need to do. And in my brain, these are all manageable projects. I'm like, so what? It's like 17 things. We can just do this one. And this one plugs into this one. And here's how you do this. And I'm like piecing all these things together. And that my people are like, their eyes are crossing. They're like, you know, what is he talking about? We can't get all this done. Completely unproductive. So now I show up at a meeting. I know they, that's not, that is an unproductive way to approach a meeting. I use, you know, we, we use the OKR system now. So we implemented a system that puts governors on me. So I can't do that to them anymore. And, 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 and we've seen drastic improvements in our overall uh, production as a company, um, as a podcast host, I think it's helped me immensely because and um, I have found ways I had a tendency at times to, which again, obviously I can talk to, 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 to 
maybe there'd be 50-50 the guest and me. We would be, you know, which is a conversation, which is fine. Yeah. But really, yeah. you do want the guest to talk more if you can, right? You know, so I've been, I think I've been better at navigating conversations um, or become even more, you know, more skilled at navigating conversations with people because I now I can tell like, are they neurodivergent and can we just go full blast or do we need, how, can, how do we, how do we navigate that? Um, uh, I I've grown an appreciation for a lot of different things that I just didn't, wasn't aware of. So I think that, you know, to be, to kind of round all this out, um, and now I have no idea where we started. Um, I think that if someone listening to this is trying to become a better podcast host in general, which I think would probably be the reason that you'd listen to a show of this nature, I, I think and I wouldn't have said this a year ago. I, so this is not like something I've known forever. Today, I would say that a renewed self-awareness in my strengths and my weaknesses as a human, as a leader, and as a, as a host of a podcast, being keenly aware of the things that I'm good at and I'm not good at has allowed me to become even better on air with my guests because I can now sculpt my interaction with them to help draw even more value from them where before my very fast nature may have created frenetic conversations that were interesting, but, but maybe didn't max out the value meter. Yeah. Ryan, that is incredible. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think that that is I, that whole journey and just the self-discovery and kind of figuring all of that out and how you can show up better. I'm so fascinated to know what what are the cues? Like, what do you cue into when you're like figuring out how you're going to maneuver a conversation? So I'll go contextual on a story super quick. Yeah. If, if I can, if I, if they seem keen to follow the tangent, then um, I know they're probably at least interested or willing to to play along or or like to play that game. Um, if I can tell they they want to stay on track. Um, usually that person is not interested. So that's just yeah. one of the things that I use. I'll also curse at them. Um, I find people, I find people who, and this, you know, this is, this is a gen, I'm, again, I'm broad stroking. So everyone, yeah, no, I love that. This. This <laughs> I find people who are, so 20% of the population is neurodivergent. I find people who are neurodivergent really love cursing. Yeah. Um, um, I love to curse and I love people who love to curse. I just, I don't find it to be offensive. I find it to be fucking hilarious, especially yeah. if you well. And um, so, so I, I use that tool. Um, sometimes I will use some crass or crude questioning. Like uh, I asked the guy one time what his favorite sex position was. Um, he did not answer. Which I thought was he interesting. Just, what did he, was he like, I'm not going to answer he that went, question. I mean, no one, I don't produce video, but he went bright red, like this, like, like, like as red as you can go. And he started chuckling and he goes, do you really want me to answer that? And I could tell that he, he didn't find it funny. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. I was going to say, you know, doggy style. I thought that was obvious. Um, but you know, it just was like, you know, I thought, you know, I, or something like that. I don't know. You know, I'm just making that up. I thought he would like, he was stiff as a board and I couldn't figure him out. He wasn't really giving me a lot. So 
it was like, and we're like five minutes in and I'm like, this is going to be the longest hour of my life. (laughs) So I just said, Hey, this is kind of, this just hit my, I kind of set this up. Like I said, this is, I know this is kind of out of left field, but, um, what's your favorite sex position? And he did not want to, I mean, it was not funny to him. He was like, he went bright red. He did not want to answer that question. Um, or, uh, I asked one guy who was a speaker who, again, this is people who are stiff. You know, I'm trying to like loosen them up sometimes or people I can't figure out. Um, I'll ask them something crass. Cause again, I find that people who are like willing to play this game, um, they're open to these things because their mind is open. Right. Right. Um, I am not going to do well with narrow sighted, uh, 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 closed minded people. I'm just not going to do well with them. So, so I asked a guy, uh, who was a speaker, uh, if you ever farted on stage before while he was speaking <laughs> and, uh, and he was awesome, right? He loosened up immediately. He started, first he started laughing. <laughs> then he said, well, I try to, he goes, he goes, I try to, he goes, I try not to fart. I try to keep it to a crop dust is what he said. <laughs> and I thought that was fucking hilarious. I started cracking up. He started cracking up. And then we had a wonderful conversation, right? It was like, and I just said, I, you know, and he, we, we both kind of were like, ah, oh, we're joking. You know, we never do that. You know, we never do that. And, um, and, you know, kind of laughed it off and we got right, right back. We did not, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I'm not going to go too far down that road. Yeah. Yeah. Just I don't want to like to loosen it up. Functions. I just, yeah. 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 I was just trying to crack his shell to let him know, Hey man, you can be yourself here. And in that particular case, it worked in the previous case, it did not work. So, yeah. Um, that's that fascinating. Tool, that's kind of like a break glass, pull lever in case of yeah. emergency type of type of trick. Um, I like bodily it. Bodily functions and sex positions are a last resort to crack someone's shell. I would not go there first. <laughs> I like noted. I'm like thinking if I were to ever come on your show, I'm just going to open it wide up. So we don't even have to go there. Like, yeah. just. like don't let me get to the point where you have to. No, I'll be honest. And I'll, so I'm saying these things like I say this all the time. Yeah. Maybe of all the interviews, I've said something in that realm a half dozen or more times. This is not something you're doing all. This is legitimately a. It's almost like a last ditch effort, right? Where it's like, because it is hard to shake people sometimes. Yeah. Some people come in. And um, the other thing I found is people who are media trained are often the worst. Yes. Um, Like. I get that on CNBC or CNN or Fox and whatever your preferred network that you go on, like that you, when you have 34 seconds to get your entire message across, you need to be media trained. I completely understand that. But when that does not translate well to the podcast format. It does not. And, and it's terrible. And those people who are, who are veteran media trained people, they tend to be tough to get to. Um, yeah. I 100% agree. And in fact, when we get new clients at Kitcaster, I ask them if they've been traditionally media trained. And I'm like, forget that. (laughs) You absolutely need a StoryCraft session then because everything that you've learned is not going to apply here. Because they will, I will also, I will say though, some of them, they have this ability. Like you can, like this, this one woman who, who she was, the information she was giving us was tremendously valuable. It was, I was, uh, Oh, geez. I now I don't even remember. It was a couple of years ago. I was, I think it may even have been like COVID stuff, COVID in the economy or something. I I I'm not gonna remember. But um, but man, I went, I tried this tactic and she 
parried she me brought back you back and, yes oh, i couldn't i couldn't get her she she was absolute pro every time i tried to take her in a direction that was off of where she wanted to be her sweet spot and and again she was delivering value i mean she was not it wasn't boring it just wasn't personal in any way and i was right. trying to get some sort of little personal carrot and every time i tried she was so good she just brought us right back to topic and um and i even it's like said a politician Yes. After we, after we, you know, turned it off and uh, turned the recording off and uh, I was just chatting with her. I, I, she even met, she goes, I saw what you were trying to do there. She goes, I'm better at you than this. <laughs> and I, and I laughed and it was great. She was, you know, I mean, she beat me. So um, it's cool. You know, this, this thing that we do is the best. I mean, it you is. get to have amazing conversations with people that you never meet just walking around your regular life. And um I feel blessed to do it. I'm sure you feel the exact same way. I feel blessed when people are willing to give me their time. And I feel more blessed uh, that people are willing to, to take, you know, there's so many podcasts, there's so many videos, there's so many networks. You have kids, you have work, you have all these things. And people will take time out of their life and put you between their ears. That to me is a gift that especially today in 2012, maybe not as much of a gift because it was like, there were only like 10 podcasts. Yeah, there are a lot today, of options. Today, that is such a gift. And um, uh, I try really hard to not take that lightly um, yeah. because uh, they don't have to listen to you. They have plenty of other options. And I am positive that no matter how good you think you are, there is somebody who's better at this than you are. And um, and for them to choose you is uh, is powerful and meaningful. Yeah. And I, and I think Ryan, I mean, something that you even highlight on your, on your podcast show notes, but it's definitely something that's come through this entire conversation is just your, your general curiosity, which is what makes podcasts so incredible when the host and successful, when the host has like just general curiosity about the guest and about the world and life and all of the facets that are involved, like that yeah. makes for interesting content. That's what people want to hear. So it's, it's, yeah. you're the doing fact it. That we're alive is fucking crazy. So I feel like we should be interested in it. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I talk to my kids a lot about this and, you know, I know we're kind of at the button here, but um, I talk to my kids a lot about this particular topic. And I just said, you know, I say to them all the time, guys, like I could give two shits what you do. Um, I just, I don't care. I'm your dad, right? I'm going to love you regardless. I mean, I'd love it if you were into baseball. That's my favorite sport, but you can be into whatever you want. Right. Um, uh, what, like do it, like do, yeah. do the thing, like engage in the thing, be, whatever it is that you pick chess, you're into whatever it is, whatever you want to do. I, 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 I want to believe that I don't care what they do. I, but but just do the thing, like invest yourself. Be like you said, be curious in it, be interested, talk to people, figure shit out. Like, like there's I I I unfortunately feel too many, too many people just kind of get up, turn on the TV, drink a cup of coffee, go to work, mindlessly work all day, come home, mindlessly eat something for dinner, throw on Netflix, go to sleep, do it the next day. And that's every day, day and day and day. And um, and then they wake up at some point and they wonder where the hell it all went. And um, that to me is hell. That's that's that that that's if I unfortunately take the elevator down, um, uh, that's what hell is gonna look like for me. Is I gotta do the same shit at a surface level every day. 
Um, I just feel like there's so much to everything that we choose to do. And it's, there's nuances to every little stupid hobby and interest and person. And if we can really engage ourselves, man, you can have a pretty good time at life. I agree with that. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to have that level of engagement. I mean, you could literally be doing anything. Yes. Just be fully in it. And I feel the same way with, I say the same thing to my kids. Like just, if you're going to do it, do it. Like do it, put time, dedicate yourself. Yeah. Look at it from all the angles, you know, like pull everything back. So, I mean, that's, that's, what's going to make you happy ultimately. Cause it just doesn't like, that's, that's what we, that's what we want for them. I, I used to have this keynote. Um, I, I don't do it anymore. Uh, it, the title of it was it's cool to care. Yeah. And that was the whole keynote it was like, give a shit about something. Now I was specifically in that case, talking to the insurance industry, but, um, cause unfortunately they've been told for so long that their, their, their industry is you know, boring and unimportant and all these things that, that in general, there is a, a low, there's a, there's a general level of depression in the insurance industry. Cause just, they're just, there's nothing, there's nothing perceived as sexy about it. So I had this whole keynote that I was doing around, it's cool to care, give a shit, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, it was wild. People would come up and be like, Oh my God, I've been hiding the fact that I'm a nerd for so long. Like, I just want to be nerdy. And I'm like, dude, be nerdy. This is the nerdiest into like, Nerds get paid in insurance. Like this is the nerdiest industry ever. Like get after it, man. Nerd out. And nerd, nerd out. Like wear it proud, right? Like, um, and it's just funny. Like us, uh, I feel like sometimes people just need permission, and then then they engage, and uh, that's a really fun thing to see too. But uh, I, I yes. appreciate the hell out of you letting me come in here and yeah, absolutely. Do whatever no, I this has been here. awesome. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> great. Ryan, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, if you're if any of this was interesting to you, I have a I write a, a weekly article, uh, essay, whatever. Um, they come out every Friday. You can find that at Finding Peak, uh, F I N D I N G P E A K dot com. Um, I also uh, post a lot of my keynotes and a lot of little ditties and stuff on Instagram. And I think I'm Ryan underscore Hanley on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn and. <laughs> Yeah, I, all the other Ryan Hanleys hate me because I am like number <laughs> Are one. Are you trending top? I'm for I'm like one, five pages. Yeah, yeah. So I like get hate mail from the other Ryan Hanleys in the world. There's one in Ireland who sent me hate mail. There's uh, th- one like in literal hate mail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they can. I got uh, uh, most of the time they connect with me on for some reason Ryan Hanley's like Facebook Messenger. I don't know why. Um, but I get these Facebook messenger posts, like you son of a bitch. I've been trying to rank my art business for <laughs> 10 years on Google and I can't get past your da, 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 da. And my, I was like, I'm sorry. They're get better. Islander, bro. There can only be one. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> <what it is. laughs> that's great. Well, I'll make sure and include everything in the show notes as yeah. well. So if anyone has any, any curiosities, questions, want to connect, they can absolutely do that. Nice and easy. Yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing and providing a lot of insight into really what makes the best podcast episodes since you've had so much experience with it. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hosted, a podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, a podcast booking agency. If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, 
Find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.